Um, yes. So I have seen Bruce perform live. Um, it was actually my first ever concert. So the reunion tour in uh, 1999, I was seven years old. So I don't know what my parents thought bringing a seven-year-old to the concert. I mean, I loved it, but I also fell asleep halfway through, which they never let me live down. My dad still brings it up today. Um, but yes, so Bruce was my first ever concert. Um, and so living in Jersey and like really close to New York, so only about 40 minutes out of New York, um, Bruce comes here all the time. He comes here a lot. My parents are hardcore. My dad is more hardcore than my mom. Uh, so I did in prep for the podcast, I did like I every time I've seen him and I have been lucky enough to get to see Bruce 18 times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We will be getting off the Bruce train a little bit tonight, but he will come up as he normally does uh, because uh, I am talking to my new friend, Gab. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, so tell us a little about yourself. Uh, So I was born in the great state of New Jersey Uh, (laughs) to start things off. I was raised in New Jersey as well. Um, and then lived there till I was 23. Um, I currently, I lived in New York city for a while and I currently now live in a suburb of the city. Um, and, uh, I host a Taylor Swift podcast with my husband actually, um, called Tata Z and we go through her discography in alphabetical order. And we actually were inspired by the podcast Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, which is pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, how did you guys find Rob and JB? So my brother is a huge Springsteen fan. My whole family is, as you'll, I'm sure you'll find out over okay. the course of this discussion. Right. Um, but my brother um, loves podcasts and he would just search, you know, topics he was interested in, in like Apple podcasts. And he found them through that. Um, and I think he was a listener, either he caught up or was a listener like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually guessed it on one of their episodes, um, which is when I finally listened. And, yes. um, and I mean, I loved the idea of the podcast, like the A to Z format, being able to like really focus on each song, because especially with Bruce, like there's so much to every song, all the lyrics, right. the stories, everything. And um, so when, Uh, My husband and I uh, found ourselves out of work in uh, 2020, as a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, We wanted a creative outlet, something to do, something interesting. And uh, Taylor had just released Folklore um, in July 2020 as a surprise album none of us knew. 
And uh, my brother was trying to help us with an idea. And he's like, you know what you guys could do? I love that A to Z format. He also listened to a podcast about the Ramones that I think goes A to Z. Um, and maybe there was a Beatle one too. Yeah, that's uh, that's what JB and Rob said. They got their idea from the Beatles. So yes. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, so my brother helped inspire that. And um, we're actually going to have our 100th episode uh, this coming Monday. So wow. cool. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and what's the name of the podcast again? It's called Tay to Z. So like Tay, T-A-Y to Z. So like a play on the word A to Z. Um, and each episode is one of her songs and we're going alphabetically. Very cool. Yeah. Neat. Um, <laughs> gosh, there's so many questions, but I, I, I want to start out with the origin. So you talk yeah. about growing up in Jersey. What kind of music did your family listen to as you were growing up? Yeah. So um, my dad was a big like classic rock guy. Um, so he was big on, you know, the who Rolling Stones, they played a ton of the Beatles. Um, and, uh, my mom was like a big Cat Stevens fan. Um, and she got really into Brian Adams and, um, she was definitely into like more singer songwriter type, I would say. Okay. And they both loved Bruce. Okay. And so Bruce was really the soundtrack of my entire childhood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you wanted it to be or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was wondering, because I, I often ask the question as I'm discussing, do you reach the point where, you know, do you rebel against your parents' music or do you embrace it? Or many people find a middle ground, right? Like they goes, no, no, no. I, 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 acknowledge that greatness but I wanted to find my own voice so how about you how did that happen um I think I fully embraced it um I was a, a younger child so my brother's okay. four years older than me music obsessed um he uh, is a musician um and he's also a music therapist and so I always just like looked up to him and like whatever he liked and kind of gave to me I would be like oh I like that too okay. um so really I embraced like everything my parents liked um, the only thing was that in school at that time, it was like not like it was kind of weird to like music from like the 60s and 70s and earlier, yeah. like people that wasn't I'm very much like a mid millennial. Sure. Um, so I'm solidly of the time of boy bands and Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved all that, too. Um, yeah. So it was this weird dichotomy of things that like my friends are listening to and then things that my parents are listening to. And I loved them both equally. So my musical taste was very like scattered for a while. And like, you wouldn't have been able to really guess what age I was, I mm -hmm. guess, from it. Um, but yeah, I leaned in pretty much. I I would say I love almost everything that my parents played for me. Um, okay. It was big, like driving in cars, music family. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. What uh, What's your husband saying? Devin. Devin. Okay. Yeah. So is, <laughs> is, was he is he what kind of music is he listening to it, it, are you guys in sync or are you a mixed marriage so so he's from vermont so okay. like when we first met um almost seven years ago our musical tastes had some overlap but mm -hmm. not really so his family his dad like loves classic rock and his mom has similar taste to my mom's like loves jackson brown um, his dad, though, would go more like towards like Metallica, like a little bit like more okay. 80s heavier stuff. Um, 
And Devin, like, he liked all that stuff, but he also really liked country music, which, you know, I kind of learned to like in college, but uh, wasn't as big on, even though I love Taylor. Um, (laughs) And then um, there was no Springsteen education in his growing up, even though, like, his dad loved rock so much. It's just Springsteen didn't come across, I guess, his journey. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, like, a big important thing. I was like, I can't marry you until you love Bruce. It's, like, really important. Um, but, and he did come to a concert with me and experienced it fully and he got it. Yeah. Um, his current favorite song is Thundercrack. I'm like, oh gosh, you've got so much to learn still. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's um, on his way. That's on his wish list to hear live, right? Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh my God, you didn't tell me this groove so much. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah. But so my husband and I both met because we both worked in theater. So that was like okay. our common ground was musicals, show tunes. Like we loved everything musical theater. Um, and then kind of like through that, we found like our shared music. Um, and then through this podcast, we have a lot of young listeners. So we're discovering okay. all these new popular artists through our young listeners, you know, like Olivia Rodrigo, Maisie yeah. Peters, people like that. So Gab, <laughs> what was your stay gig? And are you guys working now, now that the, okay, the pandemic is starting to at least go to a different phase? Yeah. So, so my husband was a actor, dancer, performer, um, and I worked in theater management. So I thought I had a stable career. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't when all theater closed for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, So neither of us has actually returned to theater yet. Um, We kind of made some big pivots. Um, We actually are both working in hospitality right now. Um, So he does like event planning um, and I work in like kind of like financials and payroll at um, a restaurant. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Um, So I ask this question usually, you know, can you remember when you first discovered Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? Well, you've already answered that question (laughs) that it was in the water as you were raised. Right. Yeah. So let's switch it and pivot to use your word. Do you remember when you first found Taylor Swift and what about her spoke to you? Absolutely. I love this. Very cool. Um, So the first Taylor Swift song I ever heard was either our song or teardrops on my guitar. So two of the major hits off her first album. Um, And they were on a mix CD that one of my friends made for me. Um, in high school I was one of like the first to drive out of all my friends and um, I would carpool kids to like to and from uh, rehearsals for theater so like my, okay. one of my friends made me a mix as you know kids did then they don't anymore mm-hmm. yeah um, and um, what spoke to me about Taylor and what I really connected to especially when Fearless came out is that I was a teenage girl she was my peer she's only a year and a half older than me And she was making music about experiences that I fully understood and grasped and like had been through. And so it was this ability for me to be like, oh my God, she gets it. She gets my life. And I think a lot of people um, found their way in, a lot of young girls found their way in, in that way with Taylor. Mm -hmm. Do, so I am a 64 year old white guy (laughs) and I, I, I may have heard a Taylor Swift song just on thing. It's not that is outside of my um, area. So (laughs) I'm really excited, interested to delve into this and learn more. So I I should wait later, but you've obviously (laughs) seen 
her talking to Ellen about Bruce bringing his daughter to her show, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you go, did you, you feel like, oh my goodness, my two worlds are colliding? Always. Yes. And she actually shouts out Bruce in one of her songs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She like is listing off things she loves about like America to then turn mm-hmm. it and say she loves a London boy. That's the name of that song. Okay. Um, but she shouts out Springsteen and I'm always like, yeah, she has great taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, that is awesome. Um, so I had on and I haven't, yes, I just released the episode, but I had um, two, um, she will rock you. And mm-hmm. they're both yeah. two. Yeah. And, and, uh, one of them loves Taylor Swift, right? And yeah. she had never seen that link where Taylor talks about, you know, he played Dancing in the Dark on my guitar and signed it. So she sat back like, how did I miss this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's awesome. So um, do you feel that as she's grown creatively, is she kind of going through the same path as you are? as she's reaching adulthood, do you feel, I mean, not exactly, but at Mm -hmm. least some of the same themes that she's exploring? What's really amazing is that even though she's like a super like mega star, so much of what she writes about through the years, like I always felt like it was like on that same journey path. Like her, the years that the albums came out uh, that were more like heartbreak albums were years I was experiencing major heartbreak. Right. And then like, when she she actually met her partner who she's still with today the same year that Devin and I met in 2016 yeah so it's like it's pretty it's it's definitely I see so many mirrored things even though obviously I'm not a singer songwriter um but yeah just like that journey of you know she's a 32 year old I'm 30 like and the things you go through in life and relationships and how your relationships with your family changes like exploring all of those things I still connect with everything she writes and it's it's pretty cool it the uh yeah because I know that like I've had a lot of people on the podcast and it's usually it's very rare when I find someone in their teens or 20s that love tunnel love right Mm -hmm. they will "Eh," but if after you've had your heart broken a little bit you've been married longer you know, all of a sudden you get this tunnel of love speaks to you in a different way, you know, Mm -hmm. and Bruce has talked about that, right? Like when he did, you know, Born to Run and then Darkness and the River, he wanted to explore more adult themes. Mm -hmm. So I, she's continuing to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, talk about, so when you guys are sitting there. It's the pandemic. You're in lockdown. You're wondering, what the hell are we going to do? And now I understand a little bit more because you both are in creative businesses. Mm-hmm. You're like that. It isn't just income. It's I miss that itch. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I podcast a lot more during the lockdown because I needed that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys debate on what you were going to, I mean, why Taylor Swift? What, give me some different ideas of what you guys were thinking about you could podcast on. Yeah. So during the pandemic, uh, I watched all of the Marvel movies for the first time. I had seen like some here or there, but I'd never seen them in order and like delved into that journey. 
And um, I was like, well, we're never going to have time like this again. So we went in order and we did that. And we had like a whole rating system. We got really nerdy about it. We ranked them. And uh, my husband had seen them all. And um, so going through that process, I was like, we are really good at discussing things, rating things, like rankings, like people like content like this. And, you know, so we talked about doing it with the Marvel thing, but we're like, you know, there are a lot of podcasts that we like that do that really well. Um, and, and then also we were like, well, maybe we show each other like a movie the other hasn't seen and we talk about it. We like, we're like thinking all different kind of like pop culture type things. And like, it wasn't really like, nothing was like hitting in the way we were like, that's it. And then, and then folklore drops and she, we have like a brand new album out of nowhere. None of us saw it coming. And we were like, Taylor Swift. And then my brother suggested the alphabetical thing. And uh, we were uh, driving, I don't remember, I think we drove, we're driving up to Vermont. We escaped to Vermont for a few weeks where Devin's parents lived. And we listened to the songs in alphabetical order during that car ride. Okay. And that's when we were like, I think we could do this. And the thing that's interesting is it was that same idea of like, where I didn't know Marvel and Devin had seen everything. I'm a huge Swifty and he really only became one while dating me. And he, okay. uh, his first album that he like listened to the night it came out, things like that was Lover in 2019. So he was like a newer one. Okay. So it would be like a journey of both of our perspectives, but him also learning and growing. And me as someone who kind of started listening to her almost from the beginning. So did you, because one of the reasons I did this podcast is um, Lynette Carolla, who is was Adam Carolla's wife, had done an episode, had done a podcast for like only eight or nine episodes where she talked to other celebrity friends about their Springsteen fandom. Mm -hmm. And I wanted more episodes and and I couldn't find a Springsteen podcast. So in the spirit of lighting a candle instead of cursing the dark, mm -hmm. I, I did this. <laughs> so I, I have no idea. Is there a lot of Taylor Swift podcasts? So at the time that we launched, there was only one other one and the others hadn't been active since 2018. Okay. Um, which was the last time she was on tour. So we're like, okay, okay. there's a niche, there's a need. Let's do this. Yeah. Since she's released so much music and all the press with her doing her re-record, so she's reclaiming all her masters. Yeah. Um, since that has happened, um, a lot of podcasts have started. So we actually have a bunch of different friends who do different types of Taylor Swift podcasts. So there's like right now, probably that I've seen at least like maybe seven of us or mm -hmm. so, but it's still not super common. But we did launch thinking, hey, people haven't done this like in a few years. Let's let's get on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing about in most cases, we podcasters aren't competitive mm. because, you know, we're like, you know, rising boats and all, mm -hmm. you know, I, in fact, whenever there's a new Springsteen podcast, I kind of send an email going, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. You know, if there's anything I can do to help. And oh, by the way, if you want to join me to talk about you know, your podcast, I'd love to have you on. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is very cool. Um, the, do you explain to me, and I'm, I'm going to sound really dumb here. Okay. So um, you talk about she's, she's reclaiming her masters. Mm -hmm. And I've seen headlines about this and I got, you know, I got tired head and I moved on <laughs> like, okay, I, I, you know, I, I, 
I have to see the new episode of Star Trek, so I'll worry about that later. So (laughs) what, and I know my audience is probably yelling at me going, you're an idiot. How do you understand this? But Gab, can you explain to me what she's doing? Because it feels to me from the outside that she is a very smart, creative businesswoman. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she kind of, she has her crap together and, and she, and she's owning her career. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about this. I'm curious. Okay. So Taylor signed her original record deal. Well, not her original, but the record deal where she made all her records um, in 2004 with Big Machine Records. Okay. Um, and she was 14 years old. So when you're 14, you're maybe not as savvy a businesswoman yet. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah. So she signed all her records and as most contracts of that time, and I think even really still today, the company owns all the masters, all her yes. masters. So she made six albums with this company and um, the owner decided that eventually he was going to sell the company. And I guess she had been aware of that. And when her contract expired, she chose to go to Universal Music Group. Um, so that she could renegotiate her contract and own her masters from then on. Um, and they were at peace with that and it was okay. Then the, the company that her masters were sold to ends up being someone that, um, has not always been very positive about her career. Okay. Um, yes. And, um, was part of some of the, like, more dramatic things that have happened to maybe try and not let her be successful. Okay. So she was not pleased that these men and these companies owned her masters when she wanted the chance to buy them herself outright. They were only bought for $300 million. Taylor Swift can buy her own masters. She was not offered that opportunity. Um, Instead, it was a deal where if she makes them another record, she gains one back kind of a thing. She didn't want to do that. Somehow in the record, there's some kind of clause about how how many years have to be between where you can start re-recording your masters. Um, I don't know if it's like, I think it's six years. So because of the way the contract works and what happened with this sale and how she was not happy about it, um, she chose that she was going to start re-recording her own music because what like what it means is she still gets royalties from her original music but she has no option about if it goes into commercials if it ends up in a movie like it, it where it goes like the same way um michael jackson owned the beatles catalog for a while right. so it's like that kind of idea um so she would have no control so the plan was once she was able to which it started in uh november of 2020 she would start re-recording all her records um, so that she could devalue her original masters and therefore own her own music and be the one who decides if it goes into a movie, if it goes into a commercial and, and wherever it goes. Um, and so that's what she started doing then. Um, and she's re-recorded and re-released uh, two albums so far, Fearless and Red. Um, they're called Taylor's Version. That's like the whole thing. Um, and then in this process, because now music is streaming and records aren't the same way that they used to be, she doesn't have the limits that she used to have. She also knows her fan base. So she's releasing songs that are called From the Vault that were songs she wrote, left on the cutting room floor, whether they didn't fit on the album, there were too many heartbreak songs, things like that. And now she's releasing them that were written during the era, like they were supposed to go on that album. So not only are we getting all the albums in now her new, like her more mature voice, because when she was younger, her voice was not as strong, Mm -hmm. um, but we're also getting 
you know, six to eight brand new songs that she had written and never released before. Yeah. So it's a very exciting time to be a fan. <laughs> it, so is, is she doing it in different styles, like in changing, like almost a remake of a of an original that's kind of rebooting it and doing it different styles or how she how is, is she doing this she is trying to record the songs as close to the original as possible because that's the only way to truly like devalue the original yes. okay got it um so like they're very much like beat for beat very similar um but she's doing some interesting things with the production that like kind of makes you think maybe she heard it this way originally but she was you know the 18 year old girl in the room who didn't want to speak up, you mm-hmm. know, and as she's gotten older, she's definitely gained more autonomy over her work. Yeah. And um, so there are subtle differences, but a lot of the songs also still sound like the original. So you don't necessarily miss those songs that were so nostalgic. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. And like, it's not like she doesn't expect the fans to listen to her original work. Right. Um, but it's been really cool because a lot of it is, you know, better than her original just because of how much she's grown as an artist so gab as you're going through do you do both versions when it's alphabetical how do you do that yeah so we started the podcast before she started releasing exactly yes the first came out in 2021 um so what we'll do now as we go through is we'll we'll mainly cover the taylor's version um but we will talk about if there are any market changes generally there aren't Okay. Um, and then ones that haven't, because she's only re-recorded two out of the six albums. Okay. We'll talk about how excited we are okay. when, when the Taylor's version comes out. What letter are you on now? So we are on M. Okay. So we're like kind of right in the middle of the alphabet. Okay. We're not quite, um, well, we're a little more than halfway, but there's new music to come <laughs> probably. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What? Because yeah. I know... Um, like JV and Rob are kind of taking a break right now, but there was the discussion of, okay, what were they going to do if Bruce released new albums? Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and he has now. Yeah. And so uh, they're planning to go through the alphabet again, like start at a with the new levels and go through that. Um, what have you learned most about the podcast? What, what has it taught about you and your uh, wonderful partner? Has it taught anything to you and Devin? Um, you know, what's, what I think is pretty cool is we've definitely learned we work well together, like not just in a relationship, but like working wise, yes. we work well together, which is really cool um, and not something that like we expected because um, uh, we both had very like different careers, even though it was in the same field. Um, and then we've also um, really learned that, you know, it, our love is special. <laughs> and I know that sounds mm-hmm. cheesy, but, you know, a lot of her songs are love songs. And so we'll talk about, like, we have a section in every episode of how we relate to the song, because that's a big part of how people connect to Taylor's music. And so we'll talk about things. And, like, a lot of our listeners are, like, younger. And they'll be like, oh, we want to love like yours. And, like, oh, it, that's, that's really sweet. cute, you know, especially mm-hmm. as, like, a brand new married couple we haven't been married even a year yet and so it's it's been a cool like journey just kind of like sharing who we are as a couple through Taylor's music um it's it's been really fascinating and then also like 
her fan base, even though like we grow with her, we're on the older end of her fan base and younger people continually find her with each new album. So it's been really cool being able to like give advice like through our experiences um, to younger listeners. So, you know, we've learned different dating stories of each other's like when talking about a song, like, oh, I had an experience like that. And that's been like really fun for us. Um, it, I, I just looked, you guys, I mean, you're over 200 re- stars ratings on <laughs> iTunes. I just broke a hundred on mine. So well done. Thank you. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'll, I'll split this in two ways. One, I always like to preface that the amount of times you've seen an artist perform live has very little to do with your fandom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because your age, your economic, where you mm-hmm. located, just all these things have changed. So yeah. have you seen Bruce perform live? And if so, how many times? And then part B, have you seen Taylor perform <laughs> live? And how many times? Yes. Um, yes. So I have seen Bruce perform live. Um, okay. It was actually my first ever concert. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So the reunion tour in uh, 1999, um, I was seven years old. It was, I think, at the Continental Airlines Arena, which is now called, I don't even know what it's called now. It's a different sponsor, um, but it's part of the Meadowlands, but the smaller, not the stadium, the arena there, I guess, where the, not the Rangers, the Devils play. I'm a bad jersey. Oh, God. (laughs) Hockey. Um, So I don't know what my parents thought bringing a seven-year-old to the concert. I mean, I loved it, but I also fell asleep halfway through, which they never let me live down. My dad still brings it up today. Um, but yes, so Bruce was my first ever concert. Um, and so living in Jersey and like really close to New York, so only about 40 minutes out of New York, um, Bruce comes here all the time. He comes here a lot. My parents are hardcore. My dad is more hardcore than my mom. Uh, so I did in prep for the podcast, I did like I, every time I've seen him and I have been lucky enough to get to see Bruce 18 times. Very nice. Yes. So you know, I, you got to hook me up with your dad, yeah, right? and your brother, right? You've got yes, to just absolutely. send them my way. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how about Taylor? Okay. So Taylor, I have seen four times. Um, so I've seen three of her like studio album tours. And then I saw her at uh, Jingle Ball uh, once uh, okay. at Madison Square Garden. Um, and that's the kind of one where um, I am buying those tickets on my own. <laughs> my parents are not bringing me. So I'm if sure. she's coming into town, I'm not going to see her more than once. Now that I'm an adult and like have an actual job, like it might be something that Devin and I might go more than once just because, yeah. you know, it's the excitement and being with the fans and you know, being in a stadium again, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I've seen um, ever since, so she, her album Speak Now in 2010, I missed Red, and then I've seen each tour since then. Um, and there's only been two since then. Um, but I will never miss her performing again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Like absolutely. I just, I just, even if, I mean, I'm very lucky to live in the New York area because an artist will always come through here. Right. Um, but like pre-pandemic, she was supposed to put on this uh, thing called Lover Fest. So the album was called Lover. And it was going to be like a huge multi-day festival. And there was only East Coast, West Coast. And East Coast was in Boston. 
And pre-pandemic, I had a very busy job Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wasn't going to be able to go. And I was devastated and still trying to figure out how I could get myself up to Boston and like, who did I know I could stay with in Boston and like figuring out um, because she's just so amazing live. And like, that's like kind of the cool thing with the parallels between the two of them. Like they both write their own music and, you know, really like our lyric artists. Um, And then also though, like seeing them live, it's just like the most unbelievable experience. Like it takes it just to another level. So, you know, one of the things that people who are not Bruce fans don't understand, like how could you have seen him? Yeah, I'm at 17. Um, you know, why would you want to see anyone? I Well, you don't understand. Every Bruce show is different. Mm-hmm. Not, not because different tones or everything. No, I mean, there, most cases he is doing different songs every night. So yeah. does Taylor move up her set list a lot? So historically, no. Okay. Historically, it's been very similar. Um, maybe two different songs are different. She okay. did this thing uh, during the Reputation uh, tour called Surprise Songs, where mm-hmm. she'd play one of her old, like older catalog songs acoustically, which was yeah. super fun. Um, but now she hasn't toured since 2018 and she's released five records. <laughs> and so okay. there's so much music that I hope whatever happens that she's able to like, yes, play different things each night, go through it because she has such a huge catalog that she could. Um, it's just been that each album has been so specific and that tour that it hasn't been like that yet, but I'm really excited for the future. Well, you think about it, right? Like when Bruce released the rising the rising tour was you know a lot Mm -hmm. wrecking ball there was a lot you know magic there was a lot so just the longer you get in your career the long the heavier your catalog and you're trying to um how do i not disappoint someone yeah uh so yeah um do were you able to see broadway did you get were you able to see broadway I did. I, uh, that counts as one of the 18. Sure. So <laughs> Broadway. Um, so I, I was working on, uh, not on that show, but I was working on Broadway at the time. Um, so I saw him while it was like still in previews before oh, they had opened. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what's interesting, cause I watched Netflix, the, uh, film recently, like to kind of like refresh. Sure. And there's a lot in there that I don't remember. So I don't know because the show hasn't been frozen until it opens. Right. So I don't know if like the story's changed or if he was still like getting his lines down better. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot in there that I was like, I don't know if I heard that story, which I thought was interesting. So as someone who's been involved with this, mm-hmm. um, if you take away your fandom hat, how do you rate Bruce on Broadway? How do you how do you do Spring Center on Broadway? How do you rate it? Oh, it was, I mean, amazing. Um, I loved it. So intimate, like to be in a theater, just him like and Patty there. Really cool. Um, and like the storytelling, like it's just like such a more like intimate, like look into the way he tells his stories than you normally can get in a huge rock show. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, my ultimate dream for Bruce on Broadway, um, and we're going to manifest, put this out in the world, is I want to see a rock opera of Born to Run. Yeah. I think it would be, amazing um and so when I heard that like he was coming to Broadway part of me was like oh man I wanted to be the one to bring him to Broadway yeah (laughs) you know but then also like it's such a different thing and the show I mean was just really special um yeah 
Yeah, like Tom Petty had died right before it started. And, you know, he, we were so used to like when Prince passed, they did Purple Rain, you mm -hmm. know, when Bowie died, he played us, you know, and you're like, oh, well, he'll play a Tom Petty song. And no, because this isn't a concert, it yeah, is a Broadway yeah. show. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, and, yeah, I was lucky enough to go too, and um, it was just truly. Um, I still thank my wife every once in a while. I'm like, thank you so much for letting me go, and she's like, no, no, no. Um, so, our talk to me and both Bruce and mm -hmm. Taylor favorite albums, favorite songs. What are things that have gotten you through? Yeah, different heartaches like like during the pandemic were there certain songs you're going to like to keep your spirits up yeah <laughs> for sure um well so you know this this album that taylor released folklore it's um so it's it's more like folk indie music they call it an alternative album but i don't really understand really what the term alternative means um but we just like it basically was kind of like a life preserver during the pandemic um and she's writing kind of these songs that are more stories about other people, less about her life, which a lot of her work has been thus far. Um, but there's something about it. And I don't know if it's the timing it came out or the actual songs that just like feel soothing. And still today, if I like am in like a stressed out state and I just need to calm down, I put on that album and I'm immediately like, okay. Um, and then Evermore came out that December. So they, they're kind of sister albums in 2020 and they both have that similar effect. Um, the last song in Evermore is called Evermore. And um, the, one of the lyrics is like, I had this feeling so peculiar, this pain wouldn't be forevermore. Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea that like, there's hope, there's an end to this, it, it, it can end. Um, and a lot of the songs have ideas of that. Um, some delve more into like the sadness of what's happening. Um, but I think those were like the main during the pandemic maybe the only things I listen to necessarily. Um, but like with Bruce, there's a lot like through my life. Um, yeah. So like kind of the, the big one is um, like based on uh, my age, um, I'm very much a child of 9-11. Um, so I was uh, nine turning 10 uh, when the towers fell and um, I lived in a suburb in New Jersey and um, we lost a uh, 22 community members in our town. Um, mm. A lot of people, peers of mine lost parents um, in like, like pretty much like in my like classes. Um, mm. And, you know, obviously that's like such a like major event, A for the world, but B for, you know, a nine-year-old to be processing. Um, so I'd say The Rising is really like my Bruce album. Um, and it was also like the first that think that he released during my like uh, more like cognitive lifetime. yeah sure um yeah. and um so just like a the healing power of that album and like all like the hope it gave and also just like that he understood you know he's from jersey like you know he he just got everything and he explored things from so many different angles um my town in uh, new jersey has this road called crest road and you'd like look out and you can actually see the skyline uh, from that road. Um, and, you know, when everything happened, like you could see the smoke for days. 
And like, so just like Bruce's song, like Empty Sky, like it just like was very much like visually, I knew exactly what he was singing about. Um, yeah, and so then the rising, even like still the rising, like makes me feel okay. Still to this day, I can put it on at any time. Uh, Waiting on a sunny day, Mary's place, like, uh, yeah, those songs are just like very healing. Um, and just like, you know, seeing that tour too, I don't know, there's just something about Bruce that it just makes you feel like you're like in the right hands and everything's gonna be okay. Um, and that, yeah, so that album I think will always mean so much to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I it was, um, I had seen Bruce obviously, you know, I, 1980, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, had a friend who'd gone to college in the East Coast. She came back, talked about this guy, Bruce Springsteen, and mm -hmm. the river came out and, you know, and then like everyone else born in the USA. And so, you know, I was a casual fan and then 9-11 happened and that, that Friday night concert, that fundraiser mm -hmm. where they show the E Street Band and they're just doing My City of Ruins. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, and The Rising was my first show seeing oh, wow. him and yeah and so um 17 shows and because of the because of the timeline mm -hmm. the rising is the only song that he's played every time i've seen him live wow yeah <laughs> which is just you know that you know it's not born to run not dancing yeah. in the dark you know uh that's it that that is awesome mm -hmm. um so hope he's what what are your thoughts of Western stars and letter to you? Because a lot of a lot of your thoughts about the Taylor album, mm -hmm. you know, folklore, the letter to you for me, because mm -hmm. it was at the end of 2020. Yeah. So much political stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I had said if I got a new Bruce Springsteen album and a new president in the fall of 2020, perhaps 2020 is not the crappiest year ever in our lives yeah, right yeah. so what are your thoughts on those two releases yeah so I will say that I have not delved into those as much as okay. I would like okay um I've seen uh both films okay um and I like I like um I mean I like both films I think it like brings you in a different way I think it yeah. was harder for me to grasp onto immediately um I don't know why until I saw the visual with yeah. it. Um, but I, I think letter to you is like more um, my like type of Bruce, if that makes any sure. sense. No, it totally, totally yeah. makes sense. But I yeah. love that the Western stars, that performance, like how beautiful that barn is. And I love like the idea of him going in a concept, you know, like because he did like outlaw Pete, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I like him delving into like whatever creatively interests him. Yes. Um, yeah. So I will say like, I'm not great at um, like discovering and finding and like listening to music all on my own. So you'll see like my listening, it'll be like the same couple of albums and that's kind of it, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of thing. And I'll go I'm through different like phases. I'm similar to that too. Yeah. Um, so, okay. The word is they've announced European tours. Hopefully we're going to get US tour mm -hmm. dates. Um, are there songs that you still want to see live 
from Bruce. And then I'm going to ask you the exact same question about Taylor. And I guess, I I guess the easy answer is, oh yeah, all the songs that she's released and he's released that since they've toured, but is there other songs that perhaps on the back catalog you would want to hear and just both of them? Yeah. You know, so I have been lucky enough to get to hear most of the songs that were on my, like, I can't wait for Bruce to play list. I've gotten to hear over the years. Um, like Land of Hope and Dreams is my favorite song of his and even before he recorded it like more than just the live version and then suddenly it was on the album and I'm like well I'm gonna get to hear it Um, and like Rosalita, Thunder Road like he wouldn't play those so often for a while and then he did Um, so I would say this is might be a weird um, weird one I don't know if you've gotten this before but I really like Terry's song oh yeah Um, that's a beautiful (laughs) song I think it's really beautiful. I think it's really special and emotional. And I don't know if he's ever played it live. I was like trying to look on Setlist FM, yeah. um, but I know I've never seen it. And I just think it's a really beautiful song. I think it's really special, like about his friendship. And uh, yeah, so that uh, I would like to see that song live. Yeah, I love that. By the way, Land of Hope and Dream, when people ask me, I always say Land of Hope and Dream is my favorite song. Really? Uh, yes. And so, um, I just, I just love that song so much. Um, and, um, my first, uh, I guess my first eight shows, he never played Thunder Road. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I, I get your feeling, right? Like yeah. people are like, Oh no, how could, no. I mean, my first eight shows, he had not played Thunder Road and then he's played at every show since. Yeah. So, which is okay. I mean, I'm never going to be unhappy with getting Thunder Road. So how about Taylor? Is there something in the deep, um, <laughs> the catalog that you're going, please, you know, if you have your sign up, yeah. first off, your sign's going to go, hey, I do a podcast yeah. about you. <laughs> yeah. Notice us. Yeah. Um, yes. So for years, and this is such a big fandom thing. So for years, it was this song of hers called All Too Well, um, okay. which is on her album Red. Um and there was this uh, myth that she had this 10 minute version of this song. And as a fandom, we never like, we never let it go. We're like, we know there's more of this. And the song was never a single. It just is this really beautiful, um, perfect heartbreak song. Okay. And um, she re-released Red in uh, November of last year. And on it, and as one of the vault songs was the 10 minute version of All Too Well. Yeah. And and she made a short film that the song is um, under. She directed it. And um, what's really cool is she like has been has spoken and said that like that song only exists because the fans loved it so much and wouldn't let it go that she had a longer version like stashed away somewhere. And so she chose to release it. And this song like was charting. It's a 10 minute song. Um, It charted. And because like how much the fans love it, that they're going to listen to a pop star sing a 10 minute song. And it's a singer songwriter song. Highly recommend. I mean, you don't have to start there, but you could start at the original version of the song. Um, Originally, it was one of her longest songs, Um, but I've never seen it live. And uh, so, yeah, so that would be the one. So because it's an A, Mm -hmm. Did you guys just cover the short version when you guys re- talked about it? So, so uh, is, yeah. Yeah. So th- is this on your second pass? You're going to have to cover it the longer version. So what we decided to do with the vault songs, which was like a little bit crazy, is that um, what we would do is we if we had passed it. So 
which was crazy. So it wasn't it. We covered the original version and we talked about the 10 minute version. The sure, of, of course in you that did. Episode. Yeah. And, um, and so when we, um, when we saw she was releasing the vault songs, we decided when we get to a vault song um, in the alphabet, like another one, we would do two that week and do one that had been in the alphabet. So we got okay. a little out of alphabetical order there okay, for the vault fine. songs. If we all make albums, our own rules, yeah. right? If, exactly. If new albums come out, I think we're going to start again after. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, so we did cover the 10 minute when it was like out and like still to this day, those um, those two songs, the sh- original version and the 10 minute are the ones that we've done like lyric by lyric uh, analysis of. We haven't done that for every song. Um, but like those, yeah, those are like, yeah, so good. <laughs> So Gab, what's next for the podcast? Are you guys just gonna are just going through each song alphabetically? Going through each song alphabetically. Um, so we're hoping because we're hitting our hundredth episode, um, we're hoping to launch some T-shirts uh, okay. this coming week. Um, hopefully, if I can figure out getting this website that we're working on up, um, we work with a friend um, named Peter Lee Nielsen who is like good at everything so he like was the one who did like our uh, theme song and he does all our graphic design um like in our artwork so we've created this um when we started out uh you know we had an image that we edited but it was like an image from the internet that we you know we didn't own a picture of taylor so he's actually made like a like a stylized drawn an image of her um that we have shirts for people who've been guests on the podcast but we haven't made them for sale yet um, but there's been some interest. And so that's like a hope of like, just kind of like having some more merch out there. Like the ultimate goal is just for her to know we exist, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but also for Devin and I to go to a concert together one day, because that's never happened. Oh, okay. Um, so that I think would just be like really exciting. Um, and to hopefully like get to meet some of our listeners, um, who maybe are at the tour as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, I was going to ask what, what, when do you have guests and what, what drives you having someone as a third voice? Yeah. So what, um, it kind of started as was, uh, basically just friends of ours who love Taylor being like, oh my God, can I be on this episode? Um, Mm -hmm. and so we were like, okay, they love this song. We're going to talk about it with them. And so we lead them through, they go through like kind of the same questions we answer about the songs. Um, and so that's been like so far, mostly what we've done, uh, just because it's a lot harder with editing audio. Um, and we've had some tricky things where like, we forgot to wear headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we have started this thing. So we have a Patreon, um, and we've started, uh, this thing called Swifty Spotlight. And so some of our patrons actually have come on and they request what song they want to come on. And we have a couple of questions that we ask them about themselves, how they became a Swifty, their favorite songs, and then like why they picked that song. So we've actually started getting to meet some of our listeners and other people in the fandom, which has been really fun. Um, and like seeing also, like we, we spoke with a couple from Australia, like when would I ever speak with someone from Australia? Like, that's so cool. Um, so it's been like, starting that we've done three of those that's been like a really or four of them actually a really cool experience you know i i still am in amazed that you know when i'm talking to someone they'll say oh that's cute you do a springsteen podcast and they go yeah what what do you do and i go well i talk to springsteen fans from around the world and i go i've had russia europe you know um the united kingdom south america 
uh, Canada, all over the U.S. And they go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so this is yeah. there's something that is that is wonderful. That is great. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Okay, so I do have to tell you uh, a story and there's like a visual to show with it. Oh, too. please. So, okay. uh, so uh, for a lot of the Springsteen shows that I uh, saw, I was, you know, fairly young and I am a lyrics girl. And so I learn lyrics pretty fast. So there's like this, you know, 10, 12 year old singing along at the show. Sure. Um, so when we were, um, uh, we were in San Francisco as a family, um, my, my dad had a restaurant there. So we would travel there once a year. I mean, he'd go more often. Um, and um, my dad surprised us as a family with tickets. Bruce was in tour and it was called Pacific Bell, Pack Bell Park then. I don't know what it's called now, but I think it's where the Giants play. Okay. Um, and so I was 11 years old. This was like the best experience ever. Um, and uh, and we were we were pretty close to the front. And um, I got one of his guitar picks because I was this tiny 11 year old. I was probably three feet tall as an 11 year old singing <laughs> along. So like couldn't have been cuter. And it was so he, he was playing out in the streets. And um, during the song, when he says, pretty girls, they don't pass me by, he hands the pick to the security guard, who I still can picture in my head. I know which security guard it is. And the security guard hands it to me. And so I have that framed here um, with uh, a rising uh, CD. Yes. Um, so this is the, if you can see the pick. It's it's kind of uh, I guess yeah. like mirrored. Hang on tight. Me. I'm gonna hit a prince. Well, you can send me a photo, right? Yeah, I'll send you a photo. Okay, awesome. And this is so great. And it's like used, like it's actually yeah. like he was playing with it, and it's used and like kind of like. So I kept it for forever, and I like knew I wanted to frame it, but I was a kid, and so I was like, I feel like if I frame this now, it's not gonna be like what I want it to look like. So I actually only got it framed two years ago. Okay, and so it's. Now, how really? did you get a copy of the rising signed? So, so my dad owns restaurants and okay. um, it's, there's a lot of, um, if people come in, you do a favor, you give people free meals, they figure out nice things to do for you. Okay. Um, so uh, that came through, through my dad. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's like, you know, my, my album, the, yeah. the pick. And then I have uh, my dad, I guess this is probably maybe not so good, but my dad got very into the, uh, concert recordings people would send him the ones they would tape like the bootlegs, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so we actually have the recording of that out in the streets and you can hear bruce laugh a little bit when he says the line and like hands the pick so like that's also just like probably one of the best moments of my life like <laughs> oh, yeah you know <laughs> and i was 11 um and i was like well bruce called me pretty that's all i need for the rest there of there you life. go <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I, I have to tell you this story. Lisa Khan mm -hmm. has been on the podcast. She wrote a book. Um, her her mother was a Mooney mm -hmm. and she was raised in this cult and her dad owned restaurants. And, um, and she tells the story that um, Bruce and Julianne loved her father's restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he and Julianne would come and eat there all the time. And, um, and Lisa begged him, let me go, let me wait on him. And he's like, no, you're, you're not. I mean, 
there's a reason why they're here. You know, we aren't going to do this. This is not. And, and as an adult, she goes, I totally agree. It's the right thing. That would have been horrible. <laughs> so she goes, and I was whining and crying and everything. And so, and after the meal, <laughs> her dad came with the American Express receipt with Bruce's signature and slapped it on the table and said, there, happy birthday, leave me alone. She sent me a photo. She has the American Express. She goes, I'm sure the number is no good anymore, but we blocked it out just in case when oh I posted God. a picture. But yeah, so uh, yeah, she's like, happy birthday. Oh There's your signature. Oh my God, that's said, amazing. That is wonderful. That is great. I love that story. That's so amazing. That I mm. love that. I literally, that I like said the same, my dad, so Taylor Swift moved to Tribeca um, yeah. in 2014 and my dad's restaurants are down there. And I said to him, she ever comes in like I lived in Queens at this point I yeah. will be on any subway at any time <laughs> so yes. I was like the same <laughs> yes absolutely oh that's great that is I love that yeah. um all right if you have found this podcast because you love Gab and you want to and and you love Devin and you I hope you have enjoyed our conversation she has made you all proud um it is Tay to Z podcast uh, available wherever podcasts are find. Please go check it out. I am going to, um, I am really looking forward to this. Um, but I end every podcast with a Mary question. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are Taylor Swift fans who are listening to this because you love Gab, um, <laughs> the song Thunder Road, Jay Armstrong is, was, is a retired English teacher, but he would take two days out of his senior curriculum in high school and they would break apart Thunder Road as a poem. They would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the themes. And at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So Gab, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So it's so funny because I, I listened to a bunch of your episodes preparing and Thank you. I had never thought that Mary didn't get in the car before okay. listening. So I've been listening a lot and I'm like, do I think Mary gets in the car? And I do, I think maybe I'm an optimist. So I do think Mary gets in the car. Um, also, I always thought that, you know, cause I know from the river, Mary can be like a step in like as his sister. So yeah. I just thought like Mary might be his sister and she gets in the car with the man she married who she's still married to today. So that's kind of like how I envision it. So I do, I think Mary gets into the car. That is perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Um, you can add direct message us on Instagram at Tay to Z podcast. So it's T-A-Y-T-O-Z-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Um, or if you don't have Instagram, uh, you can email us at Tay to Z podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. I am, I'm going to check out some episodes. I am looking forward to this. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, this was a blast. So <laughs> oh yeah, it was great. You're welcome anytime. I love it. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, we'll, we'll have you back on if we get the tour. So, and now what we need, so I'm thinking now I'm praying for you the same thing. I was not there, but uh, a few years ago, Brian Wilson, who from the Beach Boys, mm -hmm. my other musical idol, was in Jersey and Bruce joined him for three songs. Oh. And I said, if I had been in that room, forget it. Mm -hmm. Take me away. Forget my son being born. Forget, <laughs> you know, grandkids. 
I mean, if I could have been in the room watching my two musical heroes play Mm -hmm. together, just take me away. So same thing, right? If you can get Bruce and Taylor, that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, it would be just next level. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Gab, thank you so much for being on. Listeners, go get vaccinated, go get boosted, be kind to each other, because that's how we're going to get through this. I appreciate it, Gab. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlessingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.